good morning, everyone. Uh, also from my side, those of you who are visiting us, some of the family and friends that's here for the uh, child dedication as well. My name is Jonathan. It's a great privilege for me to be able to share today's message with us as a church. Thank you also to the team that led us this morning in worship through music as well. And for Dries and Suzanne, where are you guys now? There you are. Oh, there's Suzanne. Okay. Um, just thank you for sharing special family moment with us as a spiritual family. Really honor you guys as parents as well, but also as individuals for the character that you demonstrate and the way that you serve Jesus. It's a great privilege for us to pray for you this morning. Um, a couple of you have asked me this morning, and I want to use a quick moment just to thank all of you that's been praying for myself and Harry and Philip a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we had a moment here in church where we asked people to pray for us as we've been part of our Every Nation Seminary the last couple of weeks in Manila, and it was truly a formative time for us. Um, in the next couple of weeks, I'll, I'll share a little bit more on some of the things that I experienced in our time there. But I can truly tell you that what God is doing in the world is incredible. And I want to encourage us as individuals and as a church that we will not get stuck in our own small little world. God is moving. God is doing great stuff. And God is calling us to be part of it. Thank you for being here. Being here this morning... You are aligning your life to something bigger than yourself. But my prayer for us as a church is that it will never be just about being together as a church. But that what we do here, when we're together, will flow out to the way that we live outside of these walls. And that's my prayer for us this morning as well. That as we study God's word, that he will do something inside of us inside this moment that will change us in the way that we live outside of these walls. We are currently busy with a series called Encounters with God. And throughout the Bible, we see how God had specific encounters with people. And we are in this series, we're going to look at each of these encounters. And by studying these encounters, we want to see what does God reveal about Himself in this encounter, but also what do we see about the human condition and how does it apply to our lives. And today we're going to look at a specific encounter that we find in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 3. Uh, you can turn to that chapter, but before we do this, I want to ask a question. And I want to ask, have you ever been so captured or fascinated with something, or so intrigued with something, that you've been absolutely consumed by it in such a way that no one else can get your attention. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is this something that comes to mind? You're just so drawn in by this that no one else can get your attention. Unfortunately for some of us, that's called Facebook. Most husbands in this room know what I'm talking about. You're busy and then somewhere you hear your wife speak, but... You don't really hear. Or the other part. Have you ever tried to get someone's attention and they're just too busy? So one part, have you been ever so busy that someone tries to get your attention and, and you're just unable to respond? Or the other part, have you ever tried to get someone's attention and they're just too busy and too occupied to respond? In Exodus 3, we see God trying to get Moses' attention. If you have your Bible with you, I would love you to turn to Exodus 3. We're going to read together from the NIV translation. Before we do this, I want to pray for us. Father, as we turn to your word... Um, as we look at specific encounters that you had with people, our desire is to know you more. Our desire is to just to know more about you, but to know you more. And Lord, I pray that as you revealed yourself to Moses in this encounter and to various other people throughout the history of time, I pray that you would come and reveal yourself to us today. I pray for your grace and mercy upon us as a church, Lord. And Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and soften our hearts. 
for that what you want to do in our lives. I pray that your love and your peace will cover us this morning. And as we submit ourselves to listening to your word, Lord, I pray that you would make your word alive and active and that you would come and minister to our hearts. And we ask now, in the authority that you've given us, Lord Jesus Christ, that nothing will come and steal and take away from what you want to do in our lives in this moment. Lord, we come to you and we, Lord, we say we need you. Would you come and change us? Would you come and speak to us? More importantly, Lord, would you come and reveal yourself to us today? We ask this and pray this in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So let's read together from verse 1, Exodus 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 10, so now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am sent me to you. This is a fascinating encounter Um, between Moses and God. And looking at this encounter, there's certain things that we see about God, certain things that I want to highlight this morning about what this specific encounter tells us about God. If we look at this, we see that God is the one that initiates this encounter. God is the one that initiates this moment between him and Israel, this moment that's going to go beyond just Moses, but actually affect Israel. God is the one who initiates this. See, we need to understand that God is a relational God, and every relationship that that we have with him, he initiated it. He starts it. He's the one that's drawing near to us. Throughout time, it's constantly God seeking people. Our response in seeking Him is that. It's a response because He's already initiated something. And God initiates this encounter. He's a relational God. But then we see that God reveals Himself to Moses in flames of fire from within a bush that did not burn up. Now, I don't know about you, but I love this picture. I love this specific piece of Scripture. Because whenever I read, God was in a flame that burned a bush, I'm immediately on a mountain around a campfire. And I love that. I love being in the bush. I love looking at a fire. I don't know about you, but there's something majestic about a fire in the bush. Thank you, Peter. 
There's some converts here. Have you ever experienced that? Just sitting in this open sky and just looking at a fire. It is beautiful. There's something that's mesmerizing about it. You can just sit there and look at it for hours. There's something about being around a fire that just draws you in. That's the beauty of a campfire. When it's not a campfire, when it's a bushfire, it's something different. Don't know who of you have ever seen a fire spread. A raging fire just moving. A couple of years ago, there was this fire in Naisnat. Do you remember that? Two, two years ago, three years ago? A family of ours stayed in Naisnat and they sent us videos. And it was as if that fire is like literally running and consuming everything in front of it. Fire is beautiful and majestic and at the same time extremely dangerous and powerful. Whenever the Bible refers to God's fire, it is a symbol of His presence. Throughout the Bible, fire is represented as a symbol of of God's presence. And there's something about God that is beautiful and majestic and it draws us in, but at the same time is almighty and powerful and a consuming fire. Beautiful and powerful. But what's interesting about this fire, we see that it, it was a bush burning, but it wasn't consuming the bush. The bush wasn't burning up. Now, we might be a little bit misled with this word bush. See, the Hebrew word for bush could literally mean a little bush or a massive tree. We shouldn't have a picture of God was representing Himself in a little bush fire. There was a fire that caught Moses' attention. And this bush didn't burn up. It tells us something about the nature of God. This fire was not dependent on any material to burn. It wasn't dependent on the bush burning. This fire was self-existent. God is self-existent. God is not dependent on anything. He's completely different. At the very, very least, we as people are dependent on air, water, and food. At the very least, that's what we need to survive. Apart from those things, we'll die. But we are dependent. God is self-existent. He depends on nothing. The fire of God burns out of self-existence. But then Moses goes closer to this bush and God says to him, Do not come any closer. This is God warning him about the power of the fire. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Now this wasn't that this place, this ground was physically holy. I know this scripture tells us it was on the mountain of God, but remember when the scriptures was written, or where this account was written, was looking back in history. So they've already had a couple of encounters with God on this mountain. And now they're referring back to the mountain as the mountain of God. But in this moment, when Moses goes to God in this mountain, he doesn't know it's the mountain of God. There's nothing special about this ground and that this ground is holy. It is the presence of God that is holy. And God fills that moment with His presence and it becomes holy. What does holy mean? If you think about holy, we've become so familiar with the word, but what does holy mean? What does it mean in that moment that, that God says, you are entering a holy place. Take off your sandals. Would you quickly share with someone next to you, what does holy mean for you?
Theology, in a sense, holy is a word that is used to describe something that cannot be described. Holy is just a word that we give to something that is it's so difficult to describe it. Holy means there is nothing like it. It is completely different. Nothing can compare to it. Now if we think about God and His holiness, it's, we're saying there's nothing like His presence. Nothing. And in that moment of God's holiness, His presence, we think about God's holiness and we say it's absolutely pure in nature and character. That's why God's holy. It's completely different. Pure in love. Pure in goodness. Pure in motive. Pure. And God's presence fills that moment. And God says, it's holy. Moses, take off your sandals. Jumping ahead a little bit. Think about when God says, if we follow Him, He's given us a new nature and His Holy Spirit fills our lives. His presence makes things holy. His presence on this mountain made that place holy. His presence in your life makes your life and your body and the way that you live holy. Be careful, Moses. Be careful. Take off your shoes. I think somewhere we might have become so familiar with God and His holiness that we forget to take off our shoes. That we forget who He is and what He deserves. That we become familiar with the holy God. Moses takes off his shoes and he hides. He's afraid. God is a beautiful fire, but he's also a consuming fire. There's something about his holiness that we should fear. We shouldn't fear him. We should fear his holiness. Then God says to Moses, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down. See, we see that this holy God, who's completely different than what we can fathom or understand, is also compassionate. God doesn't have to be concerned with created things, but God is. God is so far beyond our understanding, but still, He's concerned about created things. And He says, I've looked at these people, and I'm moved by compassion. I'm concerned. I heard their suffering. God cares about people. This infinite, holy God cares about people. And then ultimately, Moses asks him, but if I go back to, to, to Egypt, now remember that Israel has been in Egypt, and Egypt has been serving so many different gods. It is not just Moses trying to be difficult towards God. There's just so many different gods that's being served in Egypt. Moses says to God, if I go there, and they ask me, which one of these gods are you coming with? Who's the one that's going to save us? What should I say? What's the name of the God that's going to save? God says, I am who I am. I wonder if Moses didn't go, God, really? It's not the name that strikes terror into our family, our, our enemies. It's not the name that's going to go, Pharaoh, oh, not, I am who I am. Why this name? 
See, our English translation doesn't do this word justice, but when God says, I am who I am, He's saying a couple of things. I'm eternal in existence. I am in being unchanging. What God is saying when He says, I am who I am, what God is saying to them is, there is no one like me. I am the God that's above all other gods. There is no one like me. I am the creator and sustainer of life and the rightful owner of everything. I'm undisputable in character and nature. I'm unchanging in my being. Therefore, I'm the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and I'm eternal in existence. It's nothing like me. So we hear, I am who I am. But when Moses said this to them, they heard something else. Holy, creator, no one like him. This is how God reveals himself to Moses in this encounter. This is something of a holy, no one like you, God. And at the same time, a compassionate, relational God who's concerned about people. There's certain things that we know about Moses as well. See, we know, and if you're not familiar with the, the biblical account of Moses' life, it's fine. You can go and read it in two chapters before this chapter. But in the time that Moses was born, there was a decree from Pharaoh. And this decree said that all the Jewish boys that was born in that time had to be murdered. They had to be killed. They were concerned about the Israelites becoming too many, so they, they decided this is going to end the life of Israel by killing the baby boys. And Moses is born in this time, and his mom, out of a desperation to save his life, puts him in a basket and puts this basket in the river in the hope that he will be saved. And by God's divine hand, Moses is saved. Of all the people in Egypt, Pharaoh's daughter finds him in this basket. And she, well, we could say falls in love with this baby. And she rescues him. And in a sense, Moses is adopted into the palace. And Moses grows up in the palace of probably the strongest kingdom at that time. And he is raised as a prince of Egypt. Moses has all the power, privileges, and position. This is the type of hero that God, that God might use. Someone who's got position and power. If this was the Moses that God came to, surely God could use him. But one day Moses looked at how an Egyptian was mistreating one of the Hebrews he was beating a Hebrew, beating one of the Israelites. And Moses decided to take things into his own hands. And he did what was right in his own eyes. What Moses went out and he killed this Egyptian, saved this Israelite, hit the Egyptian's body. But it wasn't what God wanted. And Pharaoh finds out about this. And Moses becomes scared, and Moses runs and he flees to the desert. And in a moment, from a bad decision, Moses loses everything. All position, all significance, all power. Moses is a fugitive in the desert. His life has little significance. Here in the desert, he meets with uh, Jethro's family and has an encounter with them. And eventually, he marries one of Jethro's daughters. And this is where the encounter starts. Verse 1. Moses has fallen. He is a shepherd attending someone else's sheep in a desolate place. This is the man that God is going to call. One of the lowest places that Moses could be at. A shepherd. Which was not a great job 
it was not a job that young Israelites aspired to. Oh, I'm going to be a shepherd one day. It was the job that was left. And he's a shepherd, not even of his own sheep, of someone else's sheep, in a desolate desert. So when God comes to Moses, and, God, and Moses says, Who am I? This is Moses' response. Who am I that you would send me to save Israel from Egypt? It's not just Moses being insecure. It's Moses recognizing there's nothing significant about his life. There's nothing of value and of power that God can use. There's nothing that Moses can offer. How often do you feel like Moses? How often do you feel that your life has very little significance? That you are insignificant and that you have nothing to offer God? How often do you feel that God cannot or shouldn't use your life? Who am I? However, in this encounter, we see there's two things that Moses does well. The first thing is, Moses was curious. Moses was curious. We see in verse 3, Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, see, thought, I will go over and see the strange sight. This is wondering what... Listen, he was in the desert. There's not a lot of stuff happening now. There's something burning. And Moses goes, what? That's strange. I'll just go over to the fire. See what's happening. I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. His curiosity positioned him in such a way that he could have an encounter with God. God's Moses saw something that was different, that was out of the ordinary, and his curiosity moved him into a position where he had an encounter with God. Are you still curious about God? Are you curious about God? Are you still intrigued by Him? Is there still a desire in you to, to want to know Him more? To want to experience Him more. Is there something about God that is just pulling you closer that makes you want to go, I want more. I'm curious. Are you curious about what God is doing in this moment? Are you curious about what God is doing in the world? Are you wondering, God, what are you doing? Do you want more of God? Or has the things of this world captured all our attention? Have we become too familiar with God that we don't see anymore what He is doing? Have we become too familiar that we are not intrigued anymore? I'm curious. Have we become familiar with His story? Familiar with His word, with His church? And his purposes. Or are we still curious? Second thing that Moses does. Is when God called out at him. He responded. Powerful response. Here I am. Moses, Moses. Here I am God. Here I am. And although Moses is reluctant to go back to Egypt, let's be honest, I would be reluctant as well. I fled there as a fugitive. Pharaoh, who's leading now, knew Moses. 
God is sending him back to a very, very difficult circumstance to do a very, very difficult, almost impossible task. I would be reluctant as well. But even though Moses is reluctant, he's available and eventually willing to go. Here I am, God. And Moses' availability and his willingness, his response to God, changes everything. Here I am, God. If you're familiar with the story of Moses and what happens after Exodus 3, you would know that God uses Moses powerfully to rescue Israel. Through Moses, God does miracle upon miracle upon miracle. Through Moses, Moses goes back to Egypt, and God, through Moses, demonstrates the ten plagues to help Israel travel out of, or get Israel out of Egypt. God uses Moses to lead this slaves out of the most powerful kingdom. And then God uses Moses. Oh, here's, a, here's an ocean or a landmass of water, and there's an enemy coming, and God says, open up your hands, stretch out your hands. And God uses Moses to part the sea. This is a shepherd who lost everything. And Israel walked through a dry land with waters being separated. And God uses Moses. God uses Moses to lead this nation. And through Moses, God provides food in the desert. Through Moses, God provides water through a rock. But what's more, there's a moment where God calls Moses up onto this mountain again. And we see that God came down in His presence and it was like a consuming fire. And God invites Moses into His presence. And there in God's presence, God shows Moses a glimpse of His glory. Moses experienced a glimpse of God's glory. Moses was so familiar with the presence of God that eventually his face shone because of the presence of God. Exodus 33, we read, God spoke to Moses as a friend speaks to a friend. The shepherd who lost everything became a friend of God. And Moses experienced something of God that we can only think of. Because he was willing and available. Here I am, God. When God was trying to get his attention, Moses said, here I am, God. See, because Moses was willing and available, and because Moses continued to be willing and available, God did amazing things. Are you available for God? If you just think of your life, are you available for God? Can God get your attention? Or do God just get our attention when we're at church? Can God get your attention? Or have we become too busy to hear God calling us? Have we become too distracted to hear God calling See, this holy, all-powerful, self-sustaining, creator, unchanging in character, and compassionate God chooses to partner with Moses to execute His will on earth. He chooses to partner with Moses. He chooses to use Moses. And this is what God is now going to do through Moses. He tells Moses, this is what I'm going to do, Moses. I have come down to rescue them. I'm going to rescue Israel. I'm going to bring salvation and freedom. And then God says, and I'm not just going to rescue them and bring them up out of the land into a new land. What God is saying, I'm not just going to save them from being slaves. I'm going to restore them as a nation. 
I'm going to give them new land. This new land represents a new identity and a new purpose. I'm going to restore them. I'm going to save them, and I'm going to restore them. And then God says, and when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. What God is saying is, I'm going to rescue them, I'm going to restore them, and I'm going to be their God. They will know me. They will have a relationship with me. They will experience my presence. They will experience my love and my goodness and my provision. They will be my people. They will worship me. Save them, restore them, and I will be their God. This is what God's going to do for Israel. Even today, God is still moved with compassion for people. Even today, God still wants to bring change in people's lives. And He is searching for people who are available and willing to respond to Him, people that He can send into this world. Because He wants to bring change. But please do understand, God is not searching for a new Moses. If you sit here this morning and you think God is calling you to be Moses, we are mistaken. God is not searching for a new Moses to execute His will. See, God is not sending us to deliver a message of what He is going to do through us. God is searching for people who are available and willing that He can send into the world with the message of what He has already done. He's not looking for new Moseses. The message has changed. The message is not anymore, this is what God is going to do. The message is, this is what God has already done. Because after Moses, there was another I am. After Moses, there was another I am that have come down to rescue us. The one that declares, I am the resurrection and the life. And those of us who put our faith in Him will experience a new life. We will be saved. Saved from the power of sin. We will receive salvation and the forgiveness of our sins. Another one that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And those who believe in Him are restored. We receive a new identity. Become sons and daughters of God. We are restored into relationship and we are restored into purpose. Purpose of God. There was another one that came down that said, I am the true vine and you are the branches. And those who put trust, they trust in Him are restored back into relationship with God and He is our God. And in Him, we experience His love, His joy, His peace, His goodness, and His provision. In I am, we experience the holiness of God. Jesus came and He said, I am. And because of Jesus, the message changed. God is still searching for people to send into the world. But it's not about what he's going to do. It's because of what he has already done. And God is still moved with compassion. God is still holy. But God is still choosing to partner with people. The question we need to ask as a church is not, will we be the next Moses? The question we need to ask is, are you available and willing that God can use you? Are you available and willing that God can send you with a new message? 
Not what he's going to do. So what he has already done. Because there's people that's being oppressed. There's people that's suffering because of sin. There's people that's living in the bondage of sin. And the question is, who will go? Are you available? Are you willing? Can you say, here I am, God? To conclude this morning, a holy and compassionate God wants to partner with us to see His freedom, purpose, and presence established in every person's life. But he's searching. He's calling out for people who are willing and available to respond. People that will say, here I am God. People that will declare to the world, it is done. See, as God sent Moses, he said to him, I will be with you. Moses, you're not going to do this on your own. I will be with you. And when Jesus went to heaven and he sent out his disciples in Matthew 28, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. And then he says, and I will be with you always. God sends us with a message and a promise message it is done and a promise that as you go I will be with you don't be afraid don't think you're insignificant don't think you have nothing to offer because you need to be willing and available and I will be with you and as we go the greatness of who God is Not only do we share the message of a God that came down, that is the life and the resurrection, the way, the truth, and the life, the one that's a true vine, the one that brings new life and restoration. Not only do we share the message of it is done, but as we do this, God is with us. And because of that, we experience Him more. There's more of His holiness. There's more of His purpose. There's more of His freedom and more of His presence that we get to experience we're willing and available will you go will you respond here I am as God says I will be with you it slows our eyes as we end off this morning I want to create a time for us just to quiet ourselves and let's trust God that He will speak to us maybe you're not familiar with God maybe you're you're not familiar with the idea of God speaking to you this is a moment where we just quiet ourselves and we ask in faith God would you speak to me We allow His Spirit to minister to us. And whatever comes to mind, let's respond to that. Just where you are. Would you curious? Would you be curious? Would you ask God, God, would you speak to me?
This morning, I want us to end by praying into this. I don't want to ask that we keep our eyes closed. I believe there's two groups of people here this morning that God wants to minister to. On the one hand, I believe there's people here this morning, you're listening to this message of God and His holiness and His compassion and how He's revealing Himself to, to people. But listening to this, you recognize this morning that you're so far from God. You're still Israel that is in slavery. You do not know God. You do not know His freedom. You do not know His purpose. You do not know what it means to be in relationship with Him. You are captured by the restraints of sin. And if it's you this morning, I want to I'll share with you that the message is still the same. It is done. There's freedom for you. There's restoration for you. There's new relationship with you in Christ. If that's you, if you know, if you know you're captured by sin, it's an opportunity to respond to say, God, here I am. If everyone's eyes closed, I want to ask if that's you, would you raise your hand? Would you respond and say, God, here I am? And then there's a group of people. You know God, but you recognize that you've been so busy and unavailable that you've missed God calling you. You've missed and you've started to believe that your life is insignificant, that God is going to use different people, that God has a different plan for other people, that, that you're just living your life. But you know that you know that God is saying to you this morning, I want to use you. I want you to carry my message of it is done. And if you know God is putting a fire in your heart this morning, would you say, I'm willing And if that's you, would you stand up? It's a prophetic declaration to say that I believe, God, that you've given me a message to proclaim. And by standing up, I'm declaring and I'm believing that you will be with me. I am willing. I am available. Here I am, God. And Lord, as as we're standing here this morning, Lord, I pray that you would fill people with your spirit, Lord, that you would come and continue to reveal yourself, Lord. And as they are responding, saying, I am willing, I am available, here I am, God. May you come and do something by your spirit, Lord. May you come and fill them with your presence, Lord. May you give them courage and boldness to proclaim, proclaim the message, it is done. Lord, may you move through your spirit. May you perform signs and wonders through their lives, Lord. And Lord, may they see you fulfill that what you've already said you will do. May they know your presence, Lord. And may may you guide them to where you have called them to, Lord. And may others come to freedom because of this step of faith. Because you are worthy. You are holy, Lord. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would forgive us for all the times that we've become too busy to respond to you. That you would forgive us for where we've become familiar with your holiness. And we pray, Lord, would you come and change something inside of us? Would you help us? to live a life that is worthy to who you are. We thank you, Lord. We pray this in your holy name. And all of us say, Amen. I want to conclude this morning by asking, if you know 
you've experienced the message of it is done, if you've experienced Lord Jesus Christ, you have a message to share. And it's so easy to listen to a sermon like this and to go out Monday and just continue with your job, continue with your life, and by Sunday you've already forgotten what God wants to do in and through your life. So before we leave here, can you commit to two things? Can you ask God for a name? Just a name. Someone that you can pray for. Someone that you know has not experienced Jesus before. Someone that you can pray for. And can you commit to share your story of salvation with anyone? It can be your husband, it can be your wife, it can be your children, it can be your neighbor, it can be a co-worker, it can be a brother, it can be a sister, it can be anyone. But do share it. Do share what Jesus has done in your life. Don't share it on Facebook. It's impersonal. But share it with someone. Two things. Pray for a name. Share your story. And see what God does in your life. A holy, compassionate God is with you as we do this.